everybody welcome to the hunter's quest podcast this is your host hunter mcwaters it's great to be with you and i hope you guys are having a great fall so far i can't believe it's already september 20th so if you're out there chasing down bugles or high country bucks whatever you're getting into or if you're like me just chomping at the bit to get out on your next adventure hope you guys are enjoying um you know spending time with the family as well when you're not in the woods and uh, just having a great fall so far, and hope you guys fill some tags. And um, today I've got a really cool episode with probably one of the coolest, toughest ladies I've ever spoken to. Um, if you you know spend any time on Instagram, you may have seen her on there. Her name is Tana Grenda on Instagram. She's Tana Sue Fit. Um, but yeah, her and her husband Adam Grenda live in Alaska. And um, she, like I said, is the real deal. I mean, you'll hear in this episode, but she goes out on solo adventures. Like, her husband will literally fly her in somewhere in the Alaskan wilderness and drop her off alone to, like, hunt down a pack of wolves. Crazy stuff like that. Like, she is legit. She's the real deal. Super nice, sweet lady as well. Um, They also, you know, both of them, I think, have hearts of gold. You know, I've only spoken to them limited amount but you know they've uh, adopted some local tribal kids in Alaska and done some foster care so really great people um, great hunters Um, so me and Tana talk about um, you know women in the outdoors everything she's got going on a little bit of her story and she tells me some like insanely epic stories including how she almost got chased down and mauled by a grizzly and they had to use their backup revolver and shoot it at like five yards before it killed them basically um so some really cool stories in there hope you guys enjoy this episode um you know if you're listening uh, i just released as of yesterday a new hunt film it's a producer's cut of one of my television episodes it's a backcountry diy mule deer hunt where me and luke Dusenger excuse me, me and Luke Dusenberry go out in the backcountry, um, completely DIY. I e-scouted this from Virginia, went in kind of blind to a spot that we were pretty much locked into. Um, it was a really tough hunt, a mountain mule deer hunt, and we were able to both fill tags on our first ever mule deer. Um, you know, Spoiler alert, they're not giants. <laughs> they're pretty small deer, but, you know, this hunt, um, I just felt like, you know, any legal animal was an accomplishment. Again, my first mule deer, and we had a great time, filled two tags, got some amazing footage. So definitely go to YouTube, search my name, Hunter McWaters, and please watch that film. It's only about 22 minutes long. We kill two deer, and it's a really epic film that I put a lot of time into. I hope you guys enjoy it. So, Please subscribe to the YouTube channel while you're there. 
Check out that film. I got lots of other great content on my YouTube and more to come. Um, also, if you get a chance, you know, leave me a rating and review for the podcast. I appreciate y'all's support so much. Um, and then, you know, lastly, if you're heading out on adventures and you need uh, need some supplements or some gear, some apparel, that kind of stuff, I just recently became an ambassador for Mountain Ops. And I know a lot of you guys use Mountain Ops products. And I also know you have a choice when it comes to using different uh, discount codes. But if you want to do something to support the show and grab some great products while you're at it, go to Mountain Ops, use the code QUEST, you will save 20%, and you will be helping out the Hunter's Quest. So I'd appreciate it if you would do that. Um, But yeah, guys, please go ahead and check out that hunt film. Enjoy this episode, and we'll see you guys in the next one. So Tana, where I know you're in Alaska, but where in Alaska do you live? King Salmon. It's a little town in the middle of nowhere. Okay, where was it near? Like what part of the state? Southwest. Yeah. So like out in Bristol Bay region, Fort Dillingham. Okay. Southwest of Anchorage. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um. So yeah, I just got back from there, and um, just like slight bit of context like alaska my first backpack hunt my first western hunt ever was alaska which is weird really yeah (laughs) um it was like a diy walk-in caribou hunt in a controlled use area in east central alaska and we didn't kill anything but it like changed my life and then i just got back (laughs) from my third trip um another caribou hunt yeah and um was able to get a bull this time congrats that's awesome yeah so but so alaska has a special place in my heart um so that's just a little like backstory about the alaska thing but i'm kind of on this alaska kick lately and you've killed some giant animals (laughs) in alaska (laughs) how long you been up there um well i lived up here in college i went to college in anchorage and then i kind of moved back to idaho for about a year till i met my husband and then we got married and he worked out here so and he's also from idaho so we were both like idahoans that just wanted to be alaskans and so we got married moved out here and we've been here full-time year-round for almost seven years um but like seasonally almost 10 so we would work up here in the summers and then go to the oil field in the winter and i definitely like being here year round <laughs> yeah it's great. yeah so you get residency and then you can hunt a lot more yeah i feel like um idaho to alaska might be like the easiest jump from lower 48 to alaska yeah yeah i always tell people idaho's like a mini alaska so yeah even in this spring like- i was Oh, sorry, I was saying, even the spring I was a hunt in Idaho and we climbed up really high looking for bears and even like the um like the vegetation and stuff almost and like see, felt like Alaska y. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. When when you're in the Rockies, <laughs> there's a lot of Alaska features to it. So yeah. yeah. Um. Cool. Well, I didn't want to jump ahead too far, but um. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know anything about you or your husband. I know you guys are big hunters, obviously, and you got, um, you know, pretty good social media presence. And I, lo- I was looking at your Instagram. You got your hands in a lot of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. You're a busy lady. And like I said, you've killed some ginormous animals. So I thought it'd be cool to get you on 
And um, so, yeah, just tell me like this a little bit about yourself, your backstory and all that. Maybe go a little bit more in detail than kind of the overview you just gave me. But yeah, just tell me about yourself. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I yeah. I love to talk hunting especially, <laughs> but For uh, sure. I enjoy, you know, kind of reliving how what got us here to this point. So I grew up in northern Idaho with a bunch of brothers and was just, you know, in the Rocky Mountains, immersed into hunting and fishing from the time I was young. Like, I just didn't know anything different. I joke with people that I was born in the middle of elk season in October, so I had no <laughs> choice with brothers. <laughs> you know, my birthday parties were often packing out elk. And when nice. I was young, that bothered me. I wanted my birthday party with my friends, and I always had to cancel it to pack out their elk. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it kind of morphed me into who I am today, being, like, crazy about hunting, and it's all I want to do. But, um, so yeah, I grew up in Idaho. I got my pilot's license in high school and that kind of gave me the Alaska bug. Like I'd never really thought of Alaska before, didn't have any desire to move away. But when I, you know, put my toes in the aviation world, I just wanted to be around planes and flying and immersed into it. And I knew Alaska was the place to be like, everybody has planes yeah. in Alaska. It's the aviation capital of the world, yes. basically. And and so when I was 19, I uh, transferred from Boise State up to Alaska and is the best decision I ever made. Like the second I stepped foot in Alaska after driving the Alcan all the way up there was like, oh, this is home. You know, I'm never oh, yeah. leaving. And so, that was probably an adventure in itself, just driving that road <laughs> oh up God. there, huh? Yeah, it took three days. My mom actually went up with me and flew me back or flew back once I was there, but I didn't know a soul, you know, I moved up there at 19, didn't know a single person that lived up here. Social media wasn't a big thing then, um, you know, that was 10, 11 years ago. And I think that's when Instagram and all that stuff just started kind of coming out and becoming popular, but yeah. it wasn't like, you know, everybody from different places. Right. Now. You're like, when oh, did you I'm graduate here. college? What year? <laughs> um, graduated in 2013. Okay. Okay. So, okay. That's yeah. like a roundabout way of asking how old you are but um <laughs> okay okay cool so i'm 36 so yeah when i got into college facebook was like just starting and stuff and so that's um yeah that's a big jump and sorry to back up but i was writing a note here um did you say you you went into some kind of aviation program or you wanted to is that is that I what did. you were saying okay yeah i got my degree in air traffic control oh nice anchorage yeah okay that, so anyway you drove up there yeah drove up there Went to school, was going to be an air traffic controller so that I could have money to have an airplane and just fly when I wanted to. And uh, it didn't really pan out because when I got married, I got an offer and they wanted me to move to a big city on the East Coast and be a controller. Mm. And I was just like, no, you know, that's not the life I want to live. It was a great offer career wise, money wise. People told me I was absolutely insane for turning it down. And I'm like, you know, I want to go to the bush. Yeah. And just... I went to the bush and I, I lived out here and I got a job at an air taxi and was like throwing bags and fueling airplanes and, you know, <laughs> running people around that were going in and out of hunts. And we just kind of built our life out here from nothing. And I'm really glad that we did. I'm glad I'm not sitting in a city in a tower, you know, telling airplanes where to go. I get to like be in an airplane and yeah. go in the middle of nowhere and hunt and live my dreams. So it's pretty freaking awesome. I yeah. can't complain. So you're able to keep the the aeronautical thing alive, but you just like did it in a cooler place and in a cooler context, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I learned 
after being out here and like having kids, you know, I don't really fly much myself anymore behind the controls, but my husband does and we have our own plane. And so okay. I don't really care whether I'm the pilot or not. I enjoy being in the airplane, you know, just, it's a great way to just disconnect and like, yeah. you're just flying away from all the world problems and any worries and you yeah. just, you immerse yourself into the most untouched land on the planet and it's just amazing. So, um, uh, he, so he's you my fly. pilot. Yeah. Well, okay. You I can't don't fly. fly anymore. I used to. Okay. <laughs> I just don't stay current. Yeah, and the yeah. places that we need to go are like ridge tops and beaches and not strips and runways. And my husband is really good at that and I am not. So I always tell him, well, I could either fly and like land lame places or you could fly <laughs> and we can go to some pretty awesome places. So <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, first of all, if you're an Alaska resident and you have a plane, like the world is your oyster. Like that is absolutely one of the best as a hunter, like one of the best situations you could possibly be in. But on this last trip, we didn't fly. We took an airboat up to Ivashack River. But long story short that I don't really want to get into, um, <laughs> basically, we got harassed by this angry person. Gosh. But this dude landed on us. That's not what I'm talking about. The dude landed on us on a bar, and he landed like 25 yards from me. But, like, I could not believe mm – -hmm. I mean, aside from the fact that, like, he was – like so mad when he got out he almost started throwing fists <laughs> and that's a whole other story but we by the way we weren't doing anything wrong he was mad at our transporter but okay. <laughs> what i'm trying to say was is it was amazing where he could land this thing i was like blown away yeah. like it's wild so does your husband land in crazy like bars and do wild stuff like that Yes, that's a fair <laughs> statement. I honestly have never seen anyone go places where he goes. That's awesome. Like, I would put him in the top tier of bush pilots, if you call him that. Um, he doesn't like to call himself that. He's just like, I'm just a pilot. But, you know, he lands in places that I would not even think is possible. I'm always just like, you're landing where? <laughs> <laughs> right there. Okay. And you're going to pick up my moose right there and shuttle you know, 900 pounds out of there. All right. You know, he is so freaking skilled. I mean, I've never seen anyone more talented behind an airplane. Wow. Um, so he, yeah, I'm very blessed, very lucky in that way. To have what my kind of plane do you guys have? Yeah. Super good. Okay. And, um, do you guys do that as part of your businesses and stuff, or is it just something you kind of do with friends and family and y'all? Yep. Yeah. No, we don't do anything for hire. Which is funny because we get asked all the time. Oh, I'm like, sure. I'm sure he could be booked out for five plus years as a transporter if he ever went into it. Oh, yeah. But he, he, I just can't talk him into it. And he, he doesn't want to. He's like, I just love doing it myself. I could care less about the money. And I just, I want to enjoy this myself with you and our family. And, That's you awesome. know, which I really respect. And, um, yeah, I mean, when we came up here, just to kind of put it into perspective, when we got married, he had $300 in his out and I had nothing and we had like so much college debt mm. and you know people are afraid to make the leap and do things that are scary until they have it figured out or like they have the money saved up and we had nothing and we went to the oil field we worked pretty hard to like save up some money and enough money to put a down payment on a super cub we didn't have a house we didn't have anything to our name literally and we put a down payment on a super cub and moved to Alaska and that's all we had but we knew that that would be the vehicle to 
all the adventures and like these core memories that would make our dream life become reality. And so, you know, and people are like, oh, it's, it must be nice. I'm like, yeah, you know, it is freaking (laughs) nice (laughs) because I've worked really hard for this. And we started from nothing and and built, built it, you know? Yeah. Uh, So we took, we made a lot of sacrifices to make it happen. We certainly didn't have anything figured out when we moved here. We were just, you know, scraping by living paycheck to paycheck. And then any extra money we had, we put into Avgas and go fly and go hunt. And then, um, yeah, just kind of built, built up from there. You know how it is in your twenties. You're just (laughs) trying to make it. (laughs) That's, that's awesome. That so many, I mean, so I'm not comparing myself to you, but like, I'm similar in that, like, I'm not motivated by money so much. I mean, obviously, and it's so hard because everything in our society is geared to making you be obsessed with money. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it's really hard. And, you know, obviously you got to like be productive and like provide for your family. You don't just, but at the same time, like I just respect how, um, you weren't, that wasn't your main motivation. And I'm kind of like that too, but that's, that's really cool. And it's, and then that, like you said, it looks to people like, Oh, that's, that's so cool. It's, you you know, or I don't know what it is, but it, it comes with sacrifice too. It's not just fun all the time, but at the end of the day, it's worth it. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And money is great. And it's a vehicle to freedom. And that, that to me is like why I, work hard and why I'm an entrepreneur is I want to be able to have freedom. Yeah. I really would just live out in a cabin in the middle of nowhere if I could, but I need to have some way <laughs> to provide for my kids and my family right now. Right. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, money at the end of the day, doesn't mean anything if you don't do anything with it that matters and that yeah. you know, 100%. adds to your life or helps other people or, you know, so. Yeah. So, did you did you work in the oil field as well? No, I was like a server at restaurants and just taking okay. jobs wherever my husband worked to try to save money for a super cup. So that's funny. Yeah, and pay off our college debt. Did <laughs> did he ever work in Prudhoe? No, no, we did a North Dakota oil field. Okay. Yeah. I was just in Prudhoe and it's so weird. It's like it's <laughs> not have you been up there before? Yeah, I did a caribou hunt up there. It's so weird. It's like not a town. It's like a oil outpost, oh, yeah. <laughs> like work camp or something. It's so wild. Man camp. <laughs> yeah. There was like literally like, I think I saw two ladies the whole time. Yeah. There are some women up there. Yeah. And I was like, man, you got to be a tough. Rough place to be, especially in the cookie. winter. Oh man. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm looking at my list here. I got, I got stuff. So, so I know you guys are on, on your Instagram anyway, it's like you're involved in like a couple different businesses. So like what, what all kind of stuff are you into these days as far as, you know, your entrepreneurship? Yeah. So I run retreats out here. That's, I would say fairly new. I started that last year and my goal with that is to do fly out retreats for Mm. women to take them out into the wilderness of Alaska put them into the elements, expose them to this awesome life that we get to live, challenge them in ways that they've probably never been challenged and be able to teach them like wilderness skills and shooting and gain confidence in a lot of this stuff, whether it's related to just hunting or just, you know, confidence and going out in the woods themselves in general. And it's been amazing. It's probably my most favorite part of my business is to 
bring like-minded women like me out here and uh we go out and just have an absolute blast camping and hiking and shooting and fishing and um we did a hunting retreat in Hawaii last year with a friend of mine and just it's it's so much fun so yeah I do retreats and then I do online coaching so okay I train people virtually um whether it's programming workouts um doing nutrition I'm a nutrition coach and then I have a life coach on my team as well that does more like life coaching therapy side of stuff. Nice. So I'm just really passionate about people like really taking care of themselves, living a healthy life so that they can live the dreams that they want to, whether that's hiking in the mountains or packing animals out or being able to go on long bike rides with their kids, like whatever it is, people need to, you know, be healthy and, and live the life that they want to and not have anything that holds them back. So health, yeah. fitness, adventure, all really big passions of mine. Yeah, which is a big part of it. Um, yeah. So your your women's retreats, um, have you ever had like an instance where it was really tough, where you like really had to push someone and they were like really outside their comfort zone and like you didn't know if it was going to like come together in the end? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know Alaska. <laughs> Alaska oh, yeah. is like, it's type two fun. You come here and you're it's like... It's intimidating. Like the second you land there, it's like <laughs> you're like nervous. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's just so unknown. Yeah. And people are so used to comfort of, I have my cell service. I have a road I can get to. I can get yeah. in my pickup. I can get warm. I can get dry. I can mm -hmm. drive home. And so when you take all of that away and you strip it down to the plane, like it's you against nature, everyone's uncomfortable with it. Mm -hmm. But you know, by the end of it, every single one of them, it's like such a core memory. They're like, I just want to come back. Like it was the best experience of my life. It changed my life. It helps women, you know, reprioritize themselves because all of us get caught up in like the day-to-day -day of life and taking care of our kids and doing this and doing this task. And you come out here and you have nothing, you have no toilet, you have no water, you have no electricity, you have no cell service. Mm -hmm. And you just get to like simplify it down to like, who am I? And like, what, what is important to me? And so I found that beyond like the, the surface level challenges that come, there's like a really deep interchange that happens when they come out here and do these retreats because yeah. they're able to shift away from that. They they can't like call their family and, or push the, the help button. I want to go. It's like, <laughs> no, you're here for four days. Like in four days, isn't that long. Right. <laughs> but what happened this year is our very first retreat. We actually got stuck an extra three days oh. due to weather. Like when you're flown in and, and the weather comes That's in. That's Alaska. So that was, well, <laughs> yeah, it's Alaska. And, you know, there were some moments where people were starting to kind of lose their mind, but it's a really <laughs> great mental training moment. I'm like, you know, you have your mind and that's it. You have three minutes. If you panic, you lose everything. Keep your mental toughness. We're fine. We're intense. We're dry. We're warm. Nobody's having an emergency. And guess what? Everything at home can wait for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And we are not going to risk it in the weather because we're going to make it out here alive and we're not going to die. So we're going to wait it out till the weather's good and can get picked up. And it was a really great bonding moment because then you really learn like, wow, I really have no control. And you learn yes. to just surrender and just enjoy yourself. And like just nature can teach you so much in the 100%. wilderness. So, yeah. yeah I would a say lesson. definitely moments where people are uncomfortable, but oh, by yeah. the end of it, they're like, wow, that was the best trip I've ever done. And so I love that part of it. Yeah. That's um, something Alaska taught me and, like I found myself um, this spring on a bear hunt in Idaho and 
Uh, I don't know. The way I was like looking at the trip was like, okay, get out there, like you know, fill this tag, check the box, yeah. go home as fast as I can. Yeah. And like it turned out being a very not that it was like one of the toughest hunts I've ever done. And we didn't kill a bear, and I was just bouncing all around the state and just making dumb decisions and stressing out. I didn't really enjoy myself. And then mm-hmm. my next hunt was Alaska, and you know, I did like mentally prepare and like very consciously decide like. I'm not going to be like that on this trip. But yeah, I mean like we were fi- 70 river miles up the Ivashack alone. Our only way out yeah. was pack rafts. Like uh-huh. it's us yeah. to get it's like or hit the SOS button. Um I mean I'm sure that transporter may have come got us if we were in like an emergency, but like that was not an option. Um and so you have to like you said surrender and um if you're able to do that it also, in my experience, makes it much more enjoyable experience, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's you're like, not in control. Yeah, you can't control what's going on. And it also just puts things into perspective, I think. You know, you go go to your day-to-day life and people have problems. And, oh, Susie's saying this about me. And what all these little <laughs> minute problems that really don't matter. You get out in the wilderness and you're like, none of that matters. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter that so-and-so is saying this like you just really stop caring about all the stupid trivial Mm -hmm. things going on because you just realize how grateful you are to be alive you know because you Mm -hmm. survived that experience really i don't know what it is about it that just makes it it puts things into perspective for your life it's like every time you start to kind of lose that i go back out there i'm like adam you need to take me out and he takes me out there and i'm just like man i'm so grateful for everything that i have I yeah. come home I'm grateful for running water. I'm grateful for a shower. Yes. You know, I'm grateful for like being able to wash my clothes. It just, it really keeps you in check. Yeah. It's like a reset. And like mm-hmm. after, like, I'm, I like routines, but like I get home and like after like three, four weeks of like the routine, I'm like, oh, I'm like starting to get the itch. Like I need to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> now I love my, I love my family, obviously, and my kids and I love spending time yeah. with them, but like, I don't know just and me it's just me too i think not everyone's like that but just like i have to i have to go and um so question for you um you know i think you are pretty unique uh lady um and that you know you're born into hunting and you love it and it's just part of you um but maybe maybe not um my question is so i think that men have in our dna and some is more buried than others. Um, but most normal men, I think, have in their DNA like an urge to hunt or have adventure at least. Or maybe it's backpacking or whatever. But Which is really just kind of like a subdued drive to hunt in my opinion. Anyway, I think it's in our DNA. Do you think it's also in women's DNA? It's just more suppressed? Or do you think that it's kind of more of a acquired taste for ladies that's a hard question um i don't really know if it is i think i think it the female world in the hunting world i guess females in the hunting world i should say is growing faster than anything that i've ever seen and we're very capable and I don't, For you know, sure. I always think back to like our primal beings, like what, what did we do years and years ago when we didn't have all the amenities that we did now, you know, 
Um, we weren't going to an office nine to five, you know, we were surviving. Mm -hmm. And so I think we are very capable. And at some point there's a primal instinct in there that we're providing for our kids, whether that was through farming, whether that was through hunting, um, you know, whether it was through gardening, like we have that innate desire to help and to provide for our family, just like men do. For sure. Um, obviously men are more of the, I think, protectors and stuff. And it's funny because we, I often talk about this with women because I have a lot of women hunters that come to me and like, Hey, I want to get into hunting, but I'm intimidated. And I don't know if I can go with the guys and I don't know if they want me there. And it's just kind of this weird thing. And I'm really grateful that my brothers never treated me really any differently other than they try to do stuff for me. Like, Oh, I'll carry that for you. Or, Oh, I'll cut that deer up for you. And I'm like, no, let me do it myself. You know, <laughs> I'm capable. I can do it. Yeah. Um, but I talk to women all the time and, and that's a common thing of, I don't know if I can do it like with my husband or my boyfriend and I don't really know what I'm doing. And I'm like, just get out there and do it. And mm -hmm. I think too, we hunt differently that men are like, and maybe I'm, I'm, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm married to one. So <laughs> they're very like oriented to the mission and women hunt differently and that we are a little more of multitaskers where we can like sit back and like hunt smarter mm. <laughs> instead of just like there's a bull I'm going in like we we tend to like sit back observe everything multitask a little bit and I don't know if we're slower hunters but we're just more um not as aggressive that's the word more methodical but, yeah methodical the men I've hunted with are very aggressive and I can get mm. aggressive as well because that's kind of how I was trained in hunting but men and women just hunt differently but long way around that i think women do have that instinct at some point and if they've done it you know they and they love it then great i've had women that have tried it and they're like nope not for me which is totally fine you know yeah but i don't know no, i think that's the really cool <laughs> thing about your retreats too is like i think not that like i don't think i mean certainly in some cases but i think for the most part a man's not going to, in this day and age, say to a woman, like, you can't do it. But, you know, maybe subconsciously or through society or whatever, I think a lot of times women are told or feel that they can't do things. Even if it's like, oh, you know, you shouldn't go running at night by yourself because you're mm -hmm. a lady or, or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but when they get out there and they see just like the same with me, same thing when I went on my first backcountry hunt, when you see what you are actually capable of and you have a little bit of guidance and you're not, you know, completely alone, it's just, mm -hmm. it can be totally life, like, you're like, oh, well, I climbed that mountain in Alaska and survived, like, I can definitely do this, like, you know, it's, yep. it just translates, like, mm -hmm. David in the Bible, you know, the Lord is with me with the lion, he's with me with the bear, like, I can take this giant. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it teaches you a lot, it's very empowering. And so, yeah, that's kind of my goal with retreats is like to find these women that I don't know if we're necessarily just tomboys, but we love being in the outdoors. <laughs> we love hanging with the men. We didn't really get along with a lot of women in our life because we didn't like to shop and do our nails and do all this stuff. Like we wanted to go get our hands dirty. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like finding these women from all over in pockets and we all come together. We're all like, we don't get along with women. And then we all get along together because we're all the same. <laughs> like, yeah, we didn't know we existed. <laughs> like there were more people out there like me. And uh, and then they just become really empowered because they realize how capable they are and what, oh, that, what they're that's cool. To do. So 
I wish I could get my wife to come out to one of your things. That'd be, that'd be cause she's kind of like that. Like she's, she's more relates to guys than women. Yep. Like, um, <laughs> I did take her on a backpacking trip one time, but it was like, it was anyway, that's a long story, but, um, yeah, I'd love to get her out there sometime. That'd be cool. I think she would like it. I've taken her hunting before, but just like whitetail hunting around here. But, um, I know this, the topic you brought up about, um, women hunting different than men is interesting. Is there anything else you could say on that? Like, is this kind of interesting to me? Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to explain, I guess. Uh, I guess or maybe the way re- could you I, relate it to a story? Like one time you're yeah. out with your husband or something and like, this is yeah, how you would so approach figured, it. I figured it out with hunting with my husband. I would get very frustrated. And I've talked to a lot of women who have done this as well, that, you get into a lot of fights with your significant other if you're hunting with them because you think differently and you mm. want to do things differently. And he wants to stock it this way and you want to stock it this way. So I guess a good example would be I was on a bear hunt with my husband. This is this is such a core memory for me because and I just remember it so vividly because it was the worst hunt we've ever been on together. And then <laughs> like full disclosure, we fought the entire time. <laughs> it was, oh, it was yeah. the most unenjoyable. I bet me and my wife would be relationship hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we've had some amazing ones together. Don't get me wrong. But this one was just a rough hunt for a few reasons. One of them was it was a bear hunt six months after I almost died from a bear. Oh my and gosh. That was like too much for me. I still had like some PTSD and a lot of trauma with it. And I was supposed to be like right next to him, like backing him up. And he wanted to do an archery. And I was like, no, I'm not backing you up. Is it like, you're using a rifle and he wanted to use a bow. And I'm just mm. like, I can't do this. But anyway, we uh, wake up one morning and we leave right at first light from the tent. And we're just going to kind of go to the Creek. And it's a fall brown bear hunt um, on the peninsula of Alaska. So, you know, big bears, they can get up to 10 feet or, or more. Wow. And you get on the creeks because all the salmon are kind of running up the creeks and that's where he's going to get his potential archery shot that I'm supposed to back him up with. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he leaves the tent of his first light. And like, I, I walk and I glass and I'm like, you know, I take my time because I don't want to miss anything. Mm. And he's like full bore, just walking as fast as he can to get there yeah. to the creek because that's where he thinks the bears are going to be. Right. So he's walking and I'm like, stopping glassing around us because like what if there's a bear nearby weird right we're in bear country (laughs) and i like walking glassing and i just keep looking up and he's not even stopping i mean he's just like he's got this goal he's one track mine i gotta get to the creek that's where the bears are and i look up and i see a bear coming up the ridge like about to run him over and he doesn't even (laughs) see it and it's a big bear he's just still so on the creek <laughs> and i'm i'm like 100 yards maybe 80 yards behind him and i'm just like <laughs> trying to get his attention and i can't because he's just walking just going i'm like whistling like trying to whistle and get his attention finally he looks back like what i'm like <laughs> just point <laughs> and he looks and there's a bear 20 yards coming oh, right man. at him doesn't see him because it's like first light you know just barely getting light where you can see i just see like him skyline and this bear's about to meet him <laughs> and he's like oh. and he gets down gets the rifle out shoots this thing at like 20 yards and uh just boom 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 and i'm 80 yards behind him trying to film because i'm supposed to also be filming him <laughs> but i'm like too far behind because i was sitting here glassy <laughs> 
so he gets the bear down. It's a good like nine and a half foot bear, big wow. brown bear. Yeah. And so yeah, that that was just an example that I talked. About. I was like, dude, you just had like your head down, like you yeah. weren't even looking around you. <laughs> and he's like, I just, I just wanted to get to the creek, and I was like, we gotta stop. We got glass. We gotta take our time, you yeah. know. So um, maybe that's an example. I don't know. He no, he does great. stop and glass a lot, but in that moment, he was just so driven to go to the creek, and yep. I was like, dude, what if we got a bear around us? Sure enough, got ran him over. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great lesson. I. I think we are guilty of that a lot of times. It's just like we get something in mind, like get to this point, and it's just like go. I do that <laughs> for sure. Um, so that's that's a good example. Okay. Um, maybe. And then I've do you also think... had women too, just to add on that. Yeah. Who felt like they couldn't speak up um, with what they want, they thought they should do, like how mm-hmm. to stock a bowl or, oh, I think we should go this way. And. I've had like clients and women at my retreats and stuff that would send me messages and be like, guess what? My husband actually like listened to what I thought we should do. And it worked. And that gave me a lot of confidence that I kind of knew what I was doing. So like, I think it's important that yes, you guys have your instincts and like we have our instincts and kind of meshing them together and compromising can make a really killer team (laughs) when it comes to hunting. If you use it right. So it's like, Oh no, I know what I'm doing. And she doesn't like, let her have some input because she probably sure. knows what to do as well. We have that instinct. Yeah. I was just thinking like, you know, that if you could, you know, hunt with your spouse or, or whatnot. Um, and like you said, use the strengths of yep. both sexes to your advantage. That'd probably be a pretty killer combo. Oh yeah. Yeah. My husband yeah. and I are great, great hunting team together. Like we're pretty unstoppable. That's we're awesome. together. Now yeah. that he's learned that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and to listen. Um, okay, well, on that note, could you think of your most epic Alaskan adventure and tell me the story? Are you talking epic or just um, worse or memorable? Or <laughs> <laughs> You pick. Just tell oh, me a story. <laughs> it's pretty tough. <laughs> um. <laughs> Or your favorite, your favorite. In in the last year, yeah. You just killed a huge moose, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. But I I mean, there's, I mean, there's so many. I'm sure you have like just guys go to her Instagram and look at the amount of giant animals she's killed. Like, no wonder it's hard for her to pick an answer. But if you can pick one story, have to be a big. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. Um. Oh gosh. Okay. One story in the last year, one of five, I was going on a solo wolf hunt. I love predator hunting and do you solo hunt a lot? Freak about wolves. Um, not so much anymore because of my trauma with animals trying to maul me, but, uh, those are stories for another day. (laughs) But yeah, I, I killed my biggest caribou solo out here. Um, and Is so, that the yeah. one that you just got the mountain back? And I think I commented yeah. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a giant. That thing is wild. Yeah. Yeah. That was a solo hunt. That was a pretty epic adventure. So but, like um, your husband will fly you out and just drop you in the wilderness by yourself. Yeah. That's gnarly. Yeah. No way out. <laughs> Does he ever like question like, or like, no, is he cool with it? He's just like, yep, go for it. Everyone else thinks he's crazy. He's like, she, she's got this. She knows what she's doing. I trust wow. her. That's he has a lot of faith. Next in level. Me. <laughs> and 
And if I want to do something, he doesn't tell me no. He's just like, okay, yeah, I'll help you. You know, that's so cool. But uh, last fall, I wanted to go on a solo wolf hunt because there was this wolf pack that was just not letting down and they were killing a ton of moose in a drainage that we, you know, find a lot of sheds and moose hunt and stuff. So you just want to make sure that you're managing the predators in that area. Mm-hmm. And we'd seen this wolf pack over and over and over and we were beaver trapping in there and they just fresh tracks everywhere, every, every week. And so I was like, Hey, I want you to drop me in here. I, I need to really kill this wolf pack. And I just, the thought of that was so <laughs> exciting and thrilling to me. And so he, uh, drops me off close to this river and uh he takes off and i mean i i still see him on the horizon he's not even gone yet and i hear oh literally in an alpha because i know wolf howls he's an alpha male and he was 100 yards from me wow. in the brush and i'm supposed to like it's almost dark i need to like set up my camp right here because this is where i plan to hunt and they are right there wow <laughs> And in Alaska, you cannot hunt the same day that you're airborne right. in the air, right? You have to wait till the next day to start hunting. So now I have wolves 100 yards from me, and I can't shoot them. Mm. And so I'm starting to kind of get excited, but also freak out at the same time because <laughs> I'm solo and I'm by myself. And uh, so I hear that that one howl, and I howl, and they're howling back to me. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I'm surrounded and one lights up here and one lights up here. And and then it's so thick in the brush where they're at that you can't see through it, but you can see the grass moving. So I see like the grass go shh this way. Oh, and geez. the grass move this way. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even see him because the grass is too tall, right? And I'm just like, it's about dark. I need to set up. And this is like late November. So we don't have a lot of daylight at that time. Dang, that's cold too, I bet. It's, yeah, it's cold. It's like zero, 10 degrees it's um dark at 5 p.m it doesn't get light till eight or nine the next morning so like i'm prepared to be in a tent for like how long were you planning to be out there hours just a day or two okay i was hoping just to kind of go in for a day see if i could kill on that day come back just, you out. know solo go in take out a wolf pack you know normal right, stuff yeah yeah just a normal <laughs> day in alaska <laughs> and uh out here you can shoot 10 a day with wow. no tags anybody can like you could come up with the non-resident hunting license and shoot 10 wolves a day without a tag like really i thought you had to buy wolf tags no you just have to get them sealed and turn them in okay side uh, note i did see a white wolf and a black wolf and my first stock yeah my first stock was no i they were like a mile away and i saw them like a second but (laughs) my first stock that i went on I raise up my glass, like we're about a thousand yards away. And I'm like it, it, putting a round in my gun about, and like, I see him running away. I was like, no, what, like, what did we do? And then I look again, there's a wolf just chasing him out of the basin. And like, I was kind of sad, uh-huh. but I was also like, that's pretty cool. I got to see that. Yeah. Yeah. You see a lot of crazy stuff out here. Yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to be having to be a tent in the dark for like 17 hours to wait for the daylight the next mm. day which really sucks to hunt in the winter because there's just not enough daylight so i'm like setting up my tent starting to get dark and i just see the grass moving <laughs> <laughs> like this is so creepy they're howling they're right there they're now like less than 100 yards you know 50 to 100 probably um maybe even closer so then i set up my tent it's about dark 
I have this tiny little tent. I didn't bring a bear fence. That was dumb. That just gives me peace of mind so I can at least sleep, you know? Right. Um, but I just had this little tiny two-man Kuyu tent, and I get in there, and then I'm, like, right up next against the grass and the brush, and I feel the grass, like, whooshing towards me. Like, I feel oh like I'm gosh. in Africa, and there's just, like, these <laughs> predators coming to my tent and then going back. They would, like, whoosh toward me, and the wind was dead calm. So it wasn't the wind. It was just, like, shh. And then they like run back and then they kept, you know, they're really curious animals. So like, what yeah. is this? I'm literally like checking you out. Yeah. I message Adam, my husband on the end reach. I'm like, you drop me in the middle of their home. Like they are surrounding <laughs> me and I'm freaking out. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just in my little tent. That alpha male beds down, not 30 yards from my tent. No way. All night long. They surrounded my tent. I could hear him run up and sniff the tent no way <laughs> so for 17 hours i'm literally having panic attacks like dude this is my dream in the daylight but when i can shoot <laughs> yeah i can't shoot them right now and it's pitch black i can't see a thing so what happens if they come in or try to come yeah. in my tent or whatever that's so creepy too and like so, you know oh, yeah. there's something like like behind a half a millimeter of fabric and like you can't see it but you just know it's there it's like yeah you don't yep. want to move <laughs> So, so scary. I was freaking out all night and then they would howl and then they called another pack in from across the river that came in as well. And they wow. were just, it. we call it the rendezvous point. So they have a rendezvous like meeting point where they like meet and then they go hunt. And I'm pretty sure I camped right at their rendezvous point because that's where they're all meeting and then they'd like go <laughs> hunt and come back. Wow. And uh, so it was pretty wild. I mean, they surrounded my tent all night. They howled all night. I was by myself in the freaking Alaska wilderness. And then- the next morning I was just like every wolf hunter's dream and mine too. But I, I was just, my nervous system was so wrecked. I mean, I felt so exhausted because I didn't sleep all night. Yeah. So anxious. Cause just <laughs> the adrenaline of that just yeah. about me out. Cortisol. Drip. And, uh, I heard him walking in the water next to me in the morning. And I just told my husband, like, can you just come pick me up? I can't do this. Like I just tapped. I was like, I'm exhausted and I can't mentally handle this right now. Like I'm afraid if I get out of this tent, they're all going to surround me. And I didn't bring my AR. Like that was the one thing that I think would have made me feel better was having my semi-auto to kill yeah. eight. It's a pack of eight. I knew there was eight, possibly more. <clears throat> and I only had a bolt action with three bullets. And I'm like, how do I like shoot? I just kept thinking in my head, if they surround me, I can only shoot three times. Then I have to reload. Are they going to run? Or are they going to come at me? You know, I'm just, yeah. your mind just plays so many tricks. So my mind was pretty mentally weak that morning. Probably should have stuck it out, but he came uh, and picked me up. And then I was like, you know what? That was stupid. I'm going to get revenge. So <laughs> I said, we set up a bunch of snares in there. I mean, I never really like trapped a wolf myself before. I've like done it with my husband. It's one of those things. Like if you haven't done it your whole life, like hunting, you don't have a lot of confidence in it. Right. So set up all my first snares and stuff. And I caught that alpha. No 50 way. yards from where I was camped. And I, it was like the most glorious like, epic <laughs> moment of my life. I'm just like, yes, wow. I, I conquered this, you know? So it was one of those full circle moments. That yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Experience. That must've yeah. been so scary. Like and we trapped that whole pack. Like we got them all. Yeah. And I know people like, Oh, you got all of them. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's... Over the course of a few weeks, like it, it took time, but, once we got that alpha, it kind of weakens the pack 
when they don't have their leader. Yeah. And then all the young ones started just kind of scrambling around and getting caught in our snares. And yeah, so yeah, I, my husband caught a few and I was like, I caught the alpha in my snare. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. <laughs> no, I can only imagine, dude. I don't blame you at all because I've literally, and you know, it's funny, but I've literally been like in tents at night and had like mice crawling around and like it freaked me out. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine like literally having wolves sniffing my tent. Like that would be so scary. <laughs> yeah, they were just running around all night. And I put a game camera um on that place too and we got wolves on it every single day. Like it was just their meeting point. Yeah. And uh my husband just happened to drop me right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my game. goodness. Okay. So you've mentioned twice about almost getting killed by a bear. I have to ask you about it. Yeah. Um, it's on YouTube. There's a video on stuck in the rut, but my brother and I went brown bear hunting in 2021 in the spring. Long story short, we went after a bear like six, seven miles from camp bedded up in the Alpine in the snow. And he's a very avid, you know, snowmobiler and knows snow and avalanche conditions really, really well, spring snow. So you know, I kind of followed him up and he picked the lines around the cliffs and stuff. And, um, anyway, we get up there and we've got a 338 ultra mag. Um, he was going to do it with, with a bow and I was going to be backing him up. And so he had a, a bow and a pistol on his chest and I had a rifle. And to me, like, I just thought that was enough. Like, how am I going to carry two rifles? Cause he's got a bow and a pistol to go in on this stock. Yeah. Hindsight 2020, we should have both had rifles and the bow and both had pistols, you know, you can never have too many weapons. Um, because he, we decided to not do the archery stock on this bear. Cause it was so big and scary. And once I stepped in the tracks in the snow, I was like, Whoa, like we are stocking a prehistoric predator mm. giant. You know, he, I knew he was at least 10 feet, which is like a record book, big bear. So we get up like 450 yards from it. It's bedded in the snow, sleeping. Um, he shoots it three times, like t- once in the vitals, once in the shoulder, with the one bow the or no, with the 338 ultra mag, oh we my God. To not do the archery. He looks like he's going down and he's kind of uphill from us in the snow. And he didn't, he slowly starts sliding down the hill toward us. And I'm like, shoot him again, shoot him again. You know, he's got like 25 rounds and these are two twenty five grain acupons we've shot bears with them moose with them you know um and the bolt jams on the rifle after the third shot and he and then we start to kind of panic because now we have a bear that's wounded not quite dying and he's spewing out blood out his sides and out his nose and like i'm like there's lung blood like you got lungs you know he's gonna die and he just wasn't dying they're big tough animals you know so the bolt jams He's uh, trying to get it unjammed. We can't figure out what's going on. What actually happened, we found later, was that the pressure of that like blew the primer out the back and jammed in the bolt. And so we couldn't actually get it to close. It's like the primer fell down in the perfect position in the action Ooh. screw to where the bolt wouldn't close, which is like wow. a one in a million freak thing of how it fell and like prevented the bolt from closing. <laughs> so it was pretty sketch. Um, but yeah, we're sitting there trying to get it. And it's like our only rifle. Other than that, we have the bow and a 454 Casul revolver. So this bear is getting closer and closer and closer. 
and he starts picking up speed and he sees us and he knows where we're at. He's pinned us. At that moment, I was just like, my instincts were like, run. Because <laughs> he just, he he went down in this dip and we couldn't see him anymore. Oh, and next second, if he made it to us, it would be 10 yards when he came up over the hill right at us. So we take off, we left all of our gear. We take off running down the hill to find, to one, get some distance in case it died on the way. Like he was spewing out a lot of blood. Like he's going to die by the time he gets to us with that. So we run all the way down the hill, get behind some rocks to like reassess, get some space, be able to actually see if he's coming. Mm-hmm. And my brother's like, he's going to die. And I just, I just like felt it in my gut that he wasn't like, he was going to come and try to kill us. And I'm like, dude, you got to finish him. He's like, no, he's going to die. I'm like, he's coming. And I look <laughs> up and his head comes up over the hill. Oh and he's my like gosh. hundred yards. And he sees us and like, we're hiding behind these rocks, which is our heads like peeking up like this. He was looking for you. Oh, he tracked us. He tracked us, pinned us, then cut our tracks and came full bore down the hill. Full speed. Like he had never been hurt. And I'm looking at this bear just coming down the hill through the snow. And I have nothing. Like I've never felt so helpless in my whole life. My life flashed before my eyes. I literally wrote off my life, my kids, because I'm just like, I'm done. You know, in my head, I'm thinking, I just saw this thing eat three huge rifle bullets. What's this little revolver going to do? That's all we have is five, five rounds in a revolver. Okay. And a bow. What? That's worthless at this point. (laughs) So I'm like just sitting behind the rock with nothing. It was traumatizing. It was terrifying. And I see its big mouth and it's just coming down the hill full speed. He gets to like 25 yards and my brother starts shooting. And I mean, they have 12, you know, big strides. They're 10 feet square, yeah. no tail. So standing up, they're 12 to 13 feet. And when they're running full speed, he closed 100 yards in 10 seconds. I mean, it was that fast. And so, like, my brother starts shooting. He missed the first one. He, like, nicked the rock in front of its face. Then he, he like, knew he had to make the next four count. And so it was boom, 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 right in the chest. Um, And then at about five yards, I, like, peek up over the rock. He has, like, one more lunge to come over one of the shots like slowed him and turned him and then he did one more shot in the side as he turned and he just like fell behind this rock and down the hill but we couldn't see him because we had like this drop off next to us mm-hmm. and he disappears and i just hear like an avalanche slide like shh like snow sliding and we just both look at each other and run straight uphill because now at least we're uphill of a wounded bear it's harder for them like if he right. tries to run at us he's gonna pump out more blood you know versus just sliding downhill like a sled which is what he did at first um but yeah he emptied the whole thing in him turned him thankfully because he was like five yards from ripping my throat out with his teeth and i was just ready to die literally i was bracing for impact and then we run up the hill get some distance still don't see him dead it was another 40 minutes before we found him dead thought he was still tracking us um we go back to our gear his steps went right by our gear and in our footprints and he tracked us down and then we found him dead at the bottom of that slide like that that just got in that last shot that is insane and so it was pretty traumatizing <laughs> to say the least um and then we still had to make it the rest of the night and it was big storm rolling through 50 mile an hour winds pouring rain we weren't going to have any good weather if we had any emergency no plane or helicopter could come in for the next two days um we were up in the Alpine, 2,500 feet vert, straight up. 
and we had to skin the bear, get down to the bottom of the mountain because now we're wet, we're soaked, and we could go hypothermic if we had to stay up there. And I didn't think we'd survive the night. So we then had to, and then we'd seen other bears up there. So we're like, we got to survive these other bears. We have still a jammed rifle and only five more rounds is all we brought is extra in our revolver. So we have to make it off the mountain, six miles back to camp through bear country with five more rounds in our revolver. And that's all we had. So we're like, okay, we survived that, but it's not over yet. It was a huge survival situation, man. We uh, skinned the whole bear out, got to the bottom, like thankfully put our onyx tracks on and that saved us because there's a lot of like cliff faces and stuff. We have to navigate around in the dark in the rain and 50 mile an hour winds. It was a mess. But like our goal was to get to the bottom of the mountain so that we could like stay there and be safe and not be up there and freeze to death. So we got to the bottom, slept under a tarp on the gravel bar of the creek. It was freezing. I didn't actually sleep. I just yeah, like, there's no way you slept. like my body's could go hypothermic. Like I have to survive this. <laughs> um, we couldn't eat. We couldn't drink. Our adrenaline was dump was way too high. Like we would just vomit. Um, no way. <laughs> it was just, it was just too, it was so intense. So then we just tried to make it there till it got light so we could hike out with some daylight. And then it took us another like 10 whole hours to hike out. We each had hundred pound plus packs cause the hide was 120 pounds. And then I took the skull and all the gear and everything was soaking wet. So we both had hundred plus pound packs, hiked out six miles, um, back to our tent the next day with like flashbacks unlike anything yeah. ever. I mean, every 10 seconds I could see that bear like chasing me and like about to eat me. And it, it just for 10 hours, I was like, this is absolute torture. <laughs> like I just can't. That's insane. But you're, you're in survival mode and you're like, I'm going to survive, you know? And so we finally made it back to our, our regular tent called in our husband my husband, the weather lifted. So he was able to come in the next morning, but we, we slept just like 12 hours. We were so tired and made it out the next day. And it was like, wow, I about died. <laughs> you know? And it sunk in. And yeah, it was, yeah, I remember when, yeah, I remember when that like story came out now, like for some reason I forgot and I even set this podcast up, but like, that is such a wild story. And the fact that like, he like actively like hunted you guys down. Oh, <laughs> he like knew you shot him and he was like, I'm going to get these guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is bear. so we nuts. Just, we just got his age back. He's 17. Oh my gosh. 17. He's an old, old. That's so, <laughs> and forgive me, but so stuck in the rut. Is that your brother? It's my brother's family now, but yeah, my brother started it. Okay. My oldest brother, Travis. And then now all of us like, me, Adam, and my brothers um, film all of our hunts and put them on YouTube for fun, you know? Yeah. Okay. Crazy. That is wild. Thanks for telling me that story. Man. Um, I don't even know what to say. That's so wild. Um, are you guys going to be at the expo this year? <laughs> um, I might be. I don't know. Okay. Um, sorry, it's Western. like trapping season and stuff, so it's yeah. hard to leave. <laughs> well, we're coming up on time here. I got to pick up my kids from school. But on that note of kids, I do want to ask you one last thing, totally switching gears. You guys foster children, no? Yeah, we, we kind of don't anymore. But <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how we got our kids. 
Do you mind? Can we talk about that for like a minute? Yeah. So what what led you to want to? Because that's a a very selfless thing to do and very cool, and I admire that a lot. Like me and my wife talked about it. What led to that? And um, yeah, what's the background on that? Yeah. Well, we just saw the need out here when we moved to a remote village. There's a lot of kids that don't have great families. There's a lot of abuse. Um, you know, just a lot of really bad things like third world country type stuff <clears throat> that I never even realized. Like I was so naive to it growing up in a, you know, Idaho town and stuff. You don't really mm-hmm. see that stuff until you come out here and you recognize how many kids are struggling and hurting and don't have good families. And there was a huge need in foster care that we heard because they just didn't have enough families to put kids in. So they weren't pulling kids out of dangerous homes because they didn't have a place to put them. Wow. And um, we always wanted a big family and we couldn't have kids for our own. We did in vitro twice. We did all sorts of treatments and none of it worked. And so that kind of led us to foster care because we Mm. wanted to be able to adopt through foster care. The time thinking about doing a 30 grand adoption just wasn't feasible, you know? So foster care, you can do it through the state and it's a lot more affordable and it helps a lot of kids. So signed up for foster care. We got a sibling group of five whoa we were one um and that like instant family right and that's uh, so cool ended up adopting them almost three years later in the meantime got a baby so we had six kids wow in foster care and we raised that baby till he was three and then he got taken with like 48 oh, hours notice that must be so hard again it was the worst thing ever that's terrible like, worse than the bear charge <laughs> that <laughs> probably traumatized me more and then we took in another girl um, this last fall after we lost him and we were going to adopt her. And then they took her with zero minutes notice, put her back with her bio family. That um, wasn't a good situation. And so at that point I was like, I'm done. Like I can help kids, but they're not allowing me to yeah. <laughs> because of, you know, tribal politics. <laughs> it's all politics, but. So after that, we kind of quit, but we did adopt our initial five. Yeah. Five well, I mean, you say you quit, but you didn't really quit. You're still raising five children. So that's like we amazing. We quit taking in kids. I get calls every day and I just say no. no. Yeah. I mean, after raising, like, raising a baby. For, yeah. You can't and raise a take baby. It. And then they take him at three years old. Being the only parents they know. Like, that's, I was just like, that's, yeah. that's what terrible. What does that do to a child, you know? So once I started seeing it wasn't about the kids, it was about whoever was in charge in politics. I just said, I don't want to be a part of this. And um, so, yeah, we're taking a break from that. (laughs) It's very heart wrenching. It's a lot of stress. But still, you've you've adopted five children and, um, you know, taken them out of a probably a Mm -hmm. rough situation. And now like they're They're amazing. They may not know it yet, but they're probably some extremely lucky children. Yeah. They are. And I see all the cool stuff you guys do. Like you're teaching them how to skin and trap and do all this cool stuff. Oh, yeah. My 15 year old daughter just shot a 73 inch moose bigger than I have ever killed. She, her very first moose. That's so crazy. (laughs) Like, girl, you don't even know. (laughs) You don't even know how lucky you are. That's so cool. Beyond that, they're just, they're really amazing kids and obviously 100% worth all the stress, all the tears, all the worries. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You're able to do that and help them out. So, um, 
Man, it's been great talking to you. I wish we could talk more, but I gotta. I do have to go pick up my kids from school. But um, this has been a really cool conversation. I hope um, to either maybe meet you guys at the expo, or if not, maybe next time in Alaska we could link up or something. But um, great talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, where can people find um, more information about your retreats and your coaching and everything you guys are up to? Yeah, a lot of my stuff is either on Instagram or a website. So my retreats is Bristol Bay Retreats on Instagram, bristolbayretreats.com if you want to book and look at all of that, and photos and everything. And then um, for my page, Tana Sue underscore fit is my Instagram page or bristolbayfitness.com. And that's my coaching business. So sweet. And I'm stuck in the rut also on Instagram and YouTube. So cool. Well, this has been great. I have to say you're probably one of, if not the most badass ladies I've ever spoken to. So thank you for Aww, your time. Thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs> and you're nice too. So that helps. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thanks again. And uh, yeah, like I said, hopefully we can meet in person sometime, but I appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Sweet. Thank you so much. That was great. Yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I'll probably put this out on Sunday. Um, Do you mind if I use one of your just pictures from Instagram or something for like the promo picture? Whatever you want. Cool. Um, And uh, yeah, if you don't mind sharing, that'd be great. Um, But yeah, other than that, again, that was awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Hope you have a good day. You too. Talk to you later. (laughs) Okay.